So I started a sermon series last week, and last week it was a different tone. We talked about grieving, and we talked about grieving forward. And honestly, that sermon got a lot of response. And the truth is, is because, man, a lot of people are broken, aren't they? Anybody say amen to that? Like, like there's a lot of people that are broken. There's a lot of people who have suffered loss. There's a lot of people that have suffered difficulty, who have went through some hard things. And we've got to be willing to process the things that we go through. And the Lord had shared with me, Clay, if you're going to talk about first things, which is the sermon series that we're discussing, if we're going to move forward, the first thing that we have to deal with is we've got to deal with our brokenheartedness. We've got to deal with our loss. We've got to deal with our grief. And we've got to learn how to grieve properly to move forward. But this, this sermon here is a little bit different. This message this morning that I want to talk to you about, I'm going to call it a healthy separation. A healthy separation. Now, I, I know I talk about this a lot. If you've been around me any, any uh, amount of time, you know that introversion is a deep part of who I am, right? I'm deeply introverted. Like even looking at y'all's faces and seeing, if I stopped to think about the fact that there's probably like 150, 200 of you in here this morning, I would probably hyperventilate and pass out. But, but the Lord helps me and I get through it. And, and, uh, and, but I'm a deeply introvert. Anybody else in here just an introvert? You know, anybody? No, everybody's extrovert. They got one. Got a few over here. But really, at the end of the day, what introversion and extroversion means is like, if you're introverted, you actually get refueled by being alone. That strengthens you. It fuel, but if you're extroverted, you get fueled by being around people. Anybody like that? Like Jeremy Baker over here, right? Son, that guy gets around people and he lights up, you know? And uh, Andrea, my wife, is that way, you know. So when we got married, one of our, when we was dealing, you know, dealing with marriage counseling and figuring out marriage, we had to realize that I'm probably on this side of the spectrum introverted. And, and she more or less, she's pretty extroverted. Like she loves to be around people at all times. I remember, but I, I told her one time, I was like, Andrea, man, you got to chill out. We get around too many people. There was this girl that Andrea used to, used to uh, uh, babysit, and uh, she really represents kind of my inner child, I guess, but she used to babysit this girl, and, and one time there's a story about this girl. She went out in public, and her mom was, somebody said hi to her, and her mom was like, say hi back, and she just kind of cowered in the back, and she said, but I hate people, <laughs> and, and I was like, that's me, and I don't mean that, that I actually hate you. <laughs> But, but it's just like, uh, you know, even during the holidays and stuff like that, you know, it's like, man, I just feel, you ever feel like, gosh, I just need to get on the couch and turn my phone off and not get on social media and not see any news and, have, and talk to nobody. I mean, there was a season in my life where I, I went through, like, I, I spent seven days in the woods one time and didn't see a human being. It was seven of the greatest days of my life. <laughs> If it were not for the Lord, I would be a hermit somewhere in the hills or I don't know where. But, but that's, that's just kind of is. But, but here's the thing. So somebody told me one time, they said, Clay, buddy, it ain't healthy to isolate yourself the way you do. This was years back when I was getting into ministry and stuff like that. They said, Clay, it ain't healthy to isolate yourself the way that you do. And I said, well, what is healthy? And that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about a healthy separation because there is a, a, a separation that I, be, I believe that our problem is now is that we have no separation whatsoever. We are connected to everything. Our media world and, and, and just the, the news and everything that's going on. I mean, we hear news about people that we don't even know and somehow it's like we're connected to everything on the globe. If something happens in China, we'll hear about it by the time we get home. Amen. And it's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. It's so much, 
going on at once that God actually has, has put in Scripture a design for a healthy separation because there are moments in your life where God by His Spirit begins to call you out and say, I need you to separate from some things for the purpose of separating unto me and getting alone with me and spending time with me and growing. And this is what we're trying to do during this 21 days of consecration. We're trying to figure out a way to start this year by saying, you know what, I've connected myself to some things that have just overwhelmed me. They've got me defiled. They've got me contaminated. I'm not hearing from God. I'm overwhelmed. My mind is going half crazy and I need to get alone with God and renew my relationship with Jesus. Because if we're talking about first things, the most important thing in your life is not your family, it's not your career, it's not your job, it's none of those things. The most important thing in your life is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Everything else, if that comes first, if that is the first thing that we're thinking about and how to make sure that that is growing and flourishing, then we can figure out how to order our family life right. We're going to do better on the job. We're going to do better with our stress levels. When difficulties come, we're going to know how to face them. Why? Because we've got Jesus at the top of the list. But see, Jesus, man, if you look at his ministry, he's powerful, right? You read in the Gospels, the dude is going and raising people from the dead. He's healing the sick. He's casting out demons. He's, he's, he's cleansing lepers. He's becoming a phenomenon and people are following him and chasing him around as they all would. I would. If he's there and I seen a dude that's healing all manner of sickness and disease, I'd be hanging out by him. Amen. And so people were following around. But look at Luke chapter 5 verse 15 and 16. It says, the report went around concerning him all the more because he was doing these amazing things. And great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. So he himself often withdrew. I want you to notice that. Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Jesus Christ was the perfect human being. He was both 100% God and he was 100% man at the same time. But see, he reveals to us his humanity in this way because he shows, look, if you're going to live as a human being, if, even, if God himself in the flesh needs to withdraw in order to pray and connect with God, how much more so do you and I on occasion need to withdraw to be alone to connect with God. And Jesus demonstrated fully that this is the rhythm, this is the pattern of life, especially if you are wanting to get involved in ministry. A lot of people want to get involved in ministry. They want to do good. They want to get patted on the back for doing good things for the kingdom. But what they don't want is to take the time that it takes in order to get with God to receive power from God to minister effectively. Anybody can get up and say a few words, but not everybody has been with the Father. Anybody can get up and preach a sermon, honestly, but not everybody has heard from God and received a word that can change lives. Anybody can get involved in ministry, but very few people are willing to separate themselves to be connected to the Father and be filled with His Spirit and know Him. And Jesus demonstrates, look, when He would, he would come and He would pour out, man. He would heal the sick. He would preach the gospel. He would raise the dead. All of these things were going on, but He would realize, it's almost like, do y'all ever sense that? Like you, you feel refreshed sometimes after a vacation, you know? And you're just strengthening. You're like, boys, I'm ready to work. I'm ready to do some things. And then you give and you give and you give and you pour out and you do and you are drained down to your limit and you say if I don't get away I'm probably going to lose my mind anybody ever been there and see, there are rhythms in life, and Jesus teaches us this rhythm in order to get filled back up. He even taught His disciples this because He wanted His disciples to have the same ministry that He had. In Mark 6, He says this, Then the apostles gathered to Jesus and told Him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And He said to them, Come aside by yourselves 
to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. You ever had no time to even eat? So they departed to a deserted place in the boat by themselves. See, they needed to learn to get some alone time with Jesus. And here's the thing. If we really are going to be serious about you know what, this year, I've heard people, I preached a couple of weeks ago. And a couple of weeks ago, and I got some responses. A couple of people said, man, that was a good sermon. I feel terrible about myself. That's how you know you got a good sermon. Listen, once we get into the meat of this one, just get ready for a little bit of conviction. It's okay. Like, I love every single one of you, but it's, we're going to get into it. So, so but, but the thing about it is, is the reason we feel terrible is because we see that God gives us a standard and He calls us to something deeper. But let me tell you something. When God calls you to something deeper, do not feel terrible about your current condition. Look at it as an end invitation to a party, my friends. Look at it as a gift that God is even inviting you and drawing you into something deeper. He draws them into something, but He is, is trying to teach them that if you are going to do what I've called you to do in this life, you got to be more intentional than you've ever been before because you know as well as I know that your schedule's already full. It's already packed. you got more things to do than you can deal with, and if you are not intentional, you will not do what you set out to do with God. You have to put it first. You have to say this is a priority above other things. And you have to move into that place where you put spending time with God first. Our goal, let me tell you something, even in this church, I want people to come to this church, but my goal is not church growth. I want people to love our church, but my goal is not to get you to love our church. My goal at the end of the day is that every single one of us would know Jesus intimately And the spirit of the living God would make us more like him as individuals and then corporately as a church. Now people say, well, shouldn't your goal be the lost, Clay? Shouldn't we be after the lost? Absolutely, it is a a goal, but it's secondary. And I'll tell you why. You can't save the lost and I can't save the lost. Jesus Christ can save the lost. And if we put him first and elevate him above every other thing, he will save the lost. Amen. So we're putting him first. Amen. You can clap if you want to. Get into it. All right. Yeah, that's good. So let let me you. My introversion kicked in right then. I about went about went and hid behind the bass amp. Fourth, fourth. Let me give you four thoughts about separation. Let's talk about a healthy separation. So the first thought about separation is that separation has a model. It's not just something that I made up. It is throughout Scripture. Let me tell you this. In creation, when God created all things, He worked for six days. And the first thing that God made holy was time. A space of time. He said, you're going to work six days, and on the seventh day, you're going to rest. And he called it the Sabbath. Now, what he doesn't necessarily mean is that you just sit on your couch and eat tater chips. But what he meant is that every week, you need to have a designated time in your life where you unplug from the world and the labor of this world, and you plug deeply into me. And everything during that 24 24 hours is sacred and holy and given unto the Lord. So you have a reset once a week. And for most of us, Sunday is kind of that thing. It's kind of, we come in here, we get a little bit of a reset, we hear a word, but then we go back into our regular Sunday and it may be wilder than a buck for the rest of the Sunday. I don't know. But you've got to figure out ways to plan time apart to be alone with God. In Genesis 1, he started separating things. He separated the, the light from the dark and he called the light day and he called the dark night. He separated the land from the sky and from the firmament. And he separated all these things because God is a God of separation. But what you have to understand is that God himself is separate. 
This is why he is called holy. Y'all ever realize that? We sing the song uh, quoting the book of Revelation where the angels cry out. Well, they cry out. They cry out, holy, holy, holy. And holy literally, one, a translation of that, you could almost say that they're literally crying out, separate, separate, separate. You are other, God. You are unique. You are altogether different than what we are. You are in another location, another place. And see, the beauty of God's holiness is that even though He is so other than us, His grace and His mercy causes Him to come in and be among us. And that's a beautiful picture. But see, it never takes away from the fact that God truly is holy. And so here's the thing. If our, if our God is holy, He's separate, He's other, we've got to understand that in order to do what God has designed us to be, we've got to enter into this holiness and this communion with, with Him. And what God does not say is, you know what, guys? In order to be in this, in, in this place with me, you can stay connected with the world and you can stay connected with me too at the same time. No, you've got to understand that throughout Scripture there's a difference, there's a distinction. God makes it clear that it is impossible for us to connect ourselves completely to the things of the world and still maintain a pure communion with Him. It's an impossibility. It's a difficult thing for us because we have so many attachments and entanglements and things that get fixed on. But see, we have been separated from God. First of all, we were separated from God because of our sin, right? And God loves us so much, He saw us separated because of our sin. And He says, I'm going to send my son Jesus to die in your place for your sin so that you can be united back to me. And because of the blood of Jesus, man, we are now united back to God the Father. But see, in my day-to-day -day relationship, here's the thing. The blood of Jesus has cleansed me, right? It's cleansed me once and for all from my sin. And therefore, when I'm judged on judgment day, when I'm judged, He will not judge me according to my sin. He'll judge me according to my works because my sin has been dealt with on the cross. See anybody say hallelujah. That's good. I'm glad of that, aren't you? But as I'm walking out this daily journey, there are things that happen in my life. There are things that I connect myself to. I may sin and stumble and fall short. Matter of fact, I will. Anybody realize that we're messed up a little bit, aren't we? We still have struggles. We still have problems. We still have issues. But that does not mean that God does not want to draw us into a deeper communion. And there's a time where He says, listen, you cannot have the love of the Father in your heart and still be in love with the things of this world. There's a place in your spiritual walk and in your spiritual journey where you begin to let things of the world go and you enter into a deeper communion and a deeper walk with God. And that's where we're at. That's where we want to be because if you ask 99% of the people in Clay County if they're saved, amen, hallelujah, brother got saved when I was eight years old, Baptist church, we went to the altar and prayed, been baptized. And then they're over here doing God knows what. You know what I'm saying? Like that, That's where we're at. So we, where do we get from point A to point B? Where do we, how do we get to that place? So there's a place where you honestly realize that you ever realize you, you're, you're just you're not separate, that you're, that you're connected to everything. I remember the first time I had a genuine encounter with God, and, and, and when, when he showed up in the room, I kid you not, the feeling that I got was everything in me being exposed. I saw my sinfulness. I saw the darkness of my heart. I saw the ugliness of my attitude and of my motives. And it broke me. And I wept. And I bought. And in that same instant, when I saw my sinfulness and I saw my brokenness and everything was exposed and I was broken because of how ugly my inside was, in that same moment, I saw the love of Jesus Christ. 
See, those two things are not against one another. It's actually in your, at the point of your sinfulness, at the point of your brokenness, at the point of you being exposed for what you really are, that God's love shows up and says, but I want to heal you of that. I want to wash you from your sins. I want to cleanse you. I want to empower you, and I want to make you whole. So when we preach the gospel, we don't cover over sins. We expose them so that the love of God can enter into it. He wants to enter into the darkness, not cover the darkness. That's who our God is. And He's a holy God. See, here's what Scripture says in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. As God's obedient children, never again shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you didn't know better. I like the way it says that. You used to follow some desires when you didn't know any better. Before I read the scripture, y'all, I followed some desires. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody? He said, don't follow, as obedient children, don't follow those desires that you followed when you didn't know better. Instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. For scripture says you are to be holy because I am holy. See, holiness is not something that you can produce through your own personal effort. You're not going to become holy because you shave your face or because you put on a certain type of clothing. That's not what makes a person holy. You're not going to become holy through external obedience. The only way that you're going to become holy is by uniting yourself to the one who is holy. Let me put it to you like this. When I found out that there were certain things that living as a Christian you were not supposed to be doing, right? When I read in the scripture, a Christian ought not do this. You ought not do this. Let it not be named once among the saints. I thought, my Lord, I do all of those. This is not going well for me right now. <laughs> so I, I set out in an effort to be holy. And I tried to stop and I tried to stop and I tried to stop and I failed every time. But then all of a sudden I said, you know what? I'm going to quit trying to stop. And I'm going to develop a relationship with the Holy One. And I started worshiping God. I started praying and I failed time after time after time after time. And I kept going back to my old habits and my old desires and my own sinful ways. But the more I spent time with the Holy One, the more holiness rubbed off on me. And before long, guess what? This holiness was infused into my soul and into my being. And all of a sudden, my old desires I no longer desired. And the holiness of the Holy One broke it off of me. And He said, Son, don't you realize now I've called you to be separate. I've not called you to be better than. I've not called you to be condescending. I've not called you to be holier than thou. I've not called you to have a, a bad attitude toward people who are sinners. But I have called you to live separately from this world. And I want to purify your heart. And he says, be holy because the one who has called you is holy. And here's what you've got to understand is that when God has a strategy to do something or get something done, he separates somebody. When God says, I want to get this done in the earth, you know what he does first? He doesn't just up and send somebody. He begins to prepare somebody. Somebody amen me with this, right? He begins to prepare somebody. So he says, you know what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick this person because I need to use this person. But before I can use them, I've got to separate them. I've got to pull them out. I've got to see if they're willing to go through the process of purification. I've got to see if they're willing to let me deal with their heart on a deeper level. I've got to see if they're willing to sacrifice some things in order to draw near to me. And see, God begins to separate people. You remember in the, in the Old Testament even when God wants... We, we sung it this morning. You stepped into my Egypt and you took me by the hand, right? When God wanted His people to be delivered from Egypt, what did He do? He first called Moses out of Egypt. 
And when he separated him on the backside of the desert, he was 40 years in the wilderness. And at the end of this period of separation of 40 years, he has an encounter with the living God. Because at the end of your season of separation, you're liable to have an encounter with the living God. And the fire of God was in the burning bush. And Moses looked at the fire of God in the burning bush. And God said, take your sandals off, Moses, because on the place where you stand, it's holy. It's separate. It's different. It's other than. It's not like Egypt. And now you've had an encounter with the living God. And now because you've willing to allowed me, uh, you, you've been willing to allow me to separate you, I can now empower you with the fire of God and you can go back into Egypt to set the Egyptians free. And you see this over and over again throughout Scripture. Listen, separation, let me tell you this, it gives people power. It gives people power. I think today in the church world, one of the reasons we don't, one of the, re- one of the reasons we don't have the power that God intended to give us is because we're not separate. We're just like the rest of the world. We have the same attitudes. We have the same mindsets when it comes to purity. We have the same understanding that the world has, and we're not willing to lay things aside the way that God has called us to. But see, separation gives people power. You remember Samson. In the Old Testament, God tells his mother, hey, don't shave this boy's head. And, 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 and you think, well, what's, what's, what's his head got to do with it? Now, see, it's not about his hair and his long hair. It's about what it symbolizes. Samson was called to be a Nazarite, and he took a vow. And his vow meant that he would never cut his hair. He would never, never drink any strong drink or any alcoholic beverage. And he would never touch any unclean thing. And what it was, it was a symbol of his separation unto God. When they saw his hair, they knew this boy right here is separated for the purposes of God and the purposes of God alone. And you remember Delilah, man, that seducing woman. Y'all, y'all men, y'all be careful out there with this. This woman named Delilah comes along and she says, Hey, Samson, what's the secret to your power? And she said it just like that. It's biblical. Her name, her name, Delilah, literally means to take ease, to pull downward. Because this spirit comes to us and it says, just take it easy, man. Don't be so radical. You don't got to be holy. I mean, there's grace, brother. You don't have to be that way. And, 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 and this spirit comes and finally she keeps coaxing him and keeps coaxing him. And finally he says, you know what, here's the secret to my power. He said, if you cut my hair, I'll be just like any other man. She comes in, they cut his hair, he wakes up, he says, I'm going to do just like I've done before. But all of a sudden the power is gone from him. Why? Because his separation was no longer there. He had just let go of God and he had consumed himself with the things of the world. And there all of a sudden one day he woke up and the power that God had given him for ministry to bring about deliverance, it was no longer there. See, separation gives people power. And you see it as a model throughout Scripture. Moses, you see the model Elijah, the same way God calls him out. He's at the brook Cherith, a place of cutting away where God is cutting away things from Elijah. And after he goes through that process, God takes him to Mount Carmel and he wins a great victory over the 450 prophets of of Baal. When you see Paul in the Scriptures, Paul was knocked off his horse, a Pharisee that was persecuting the church. And as soon as Paul got saved, you know where God sent him? Into Arabia, into the deserts for three years where he was alone receiving revelation of the gospel from God. Even Jesus himself, when he entered into ministry, what happened? The Spirit drove him into the wilderness to be separated and alone for 40 days and 40 nights where he was tempted of the devil and he was tested. And he came back, what? In the power of the Spirit. And he began doing ministry because he went through that season of separation. So there's a model throughout Scripture, and it's the place where you meet God. Listen to me. You will never deeply meet with God on ordinary circumstances. 
say it to you like this. We live in a culture where it's like, you know what, we're busy. We got more important things to do. Guess what? I pray in the car. I pray in the shower. You know what? I thank God for praying in the car and I thank God for praying in the shower. And I know you're busy and I know you got kids and I know you got a job and I know you got things to do, but you also spend a whole lot of hours on TV and on your phone. Somebody amen me, right? I told you to be a little bit convicted, but I would love you. I, I do. And I'm in the same boat. I'm constantly trying to figure out how do I do this, God? How do I navigate the life that is set before me where I, every day I have increasing responsibilities? I, was, I looked at my phone the other day. I had 72 text messages. How do you do that? Somebody tell me. And it, and it just inundates me. And I'm like, well, how do I disconnect from this, God? Because I need to give you more of my time. I've got to give God more of my time than I give even to you as a pastor. If I don't, I'll be, I'll be wearing thin, friends. And you'll be wearing thin. And we won't make it. But see, there's a point. And number two, let me give you this. Separation has a season. Separation has a season. And somebody might object to prayer and fasting during a season. You know, when you do 21 days of prayer and fasting, critics usually come out of the woodwork. Well, you ain't supposed to vocalize your fasting. You're supposed to do it in secret. Well, biblically, there's places in Scripture where they called corporate fasts, right? So it, it works. We're still good. Uh, but when you're fasting, don't disfigure your face. See, some, sometimes when I'm fasting, I like to disfigure my face. You know what I'm saying? Like if I'm fasting, I'm so hungry, I'm just like, golly, boys. <laughs> And, and, and people like to do that, but you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to keep it between you and God. Don't make a big deal out of it, right? It's, it's, it's a big thing, but, but, but separation has a season. And what I mean by that is, yeah, we should be seeking God 365 days out of the year. We really should. But there are moments when God calls you to a special time. God called Israel to three different feasts a year. And in those feasts, He said, here's what y'all going to do. You're going to leave the place. You're going to come out into the wilderness. You're going to worship me. You're going to hold a feast there there and sometimes they would fast sometimes they would put on sackcloth and ashes sometimes they would in humility bow themselves and repent of their sins but there was seasons when God would call them out and say this is a time when I need you to draw nearer to me than just usual this is a time a season when you need to enter into this place of separation and draw near to me than you ever have so when we say that Christians are called to separate are we primarily talking about external things no we're talking about the issues of the heart. What's gotten a hold of my heart? You know, Jesus, one of his major rebukes of the Pharisees, the religious people, is that all they cared about was external things. He said, you boys wash the outside of the cup, but on the inside, you're filthy. You're full of dead men's bones. So we're not talking about external issues. We're talking about issues of the heart, where our heart is, where we can get along with God and let him change us. In this place. Number three, let me tell you this separation has a purpose. In other words, when you separate from something, it's in order to go to something else. In other words, let me put it to you like this if you are choosing to fast during this time, if you only fast and you just don't eat, then you are only on a miserable diet. Fasting is designed to put something away so that you can go to something else so that you can draw near to God in prayer. Fasting is never good unless it's mixed with prayer. You're just going to starve yourself. you got to add to it this... You're disconnecting from some things in order to draw nearer to God. It has a purpose, and it has a meaning behind it. Let me read this scripture to you, 2 Corinthians 6.14. It says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? 
What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, notice what it says. Come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. See, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Your body is designed to be filled with the fullness of God. And he's laying this out and he's saying, look, if you are the temple of God, then you've got to make sure that that temple is clean and you're not filling that temple up with junk because you've got to have that thing open and ready to be filled with the fullness of God. He said, and if you'll come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and you don't touch any unclean thing, he says, I'm going to receive you to myself and I will dwell among you, I'll dwell in you, and you will be my sons and my daughters and I will be your God. And he says, if you have this promise, if you know that the Spirit of God yearns jealously to live on the inside of you and empower you to do things that you could never do on your own, he says, having these promises, dearly beloved, he says, let us lay aside these things. Let us cleanse ourselves and purify ourselves from anything that is contained us and defiling us and let us pursue holiness out of reverence for God. Let me tell you something. You talk about, talk about holiness. It's one of those things. It's one of those Christianese words that know I'm all about making holiness great again. Somebody amen me on that. We need to make holiness great again. Nobody wants to talk about that. And then we, we pin holiness with whatever kind of experience you had in a church when you thought it was about bobby pins or something. I don't know what you thought it was about. But holiness is pure. It's the nature of God. It's the character of God. We've got to make holiness great again. Amen. But see, this scripture, when I, when I read this scripture, I, I, when I was studying this scripture, I thought, Lord, I'm going to read that scripture. And it probably ain't going to set well with everybody. Because it's not, this, this, that scripture right there, is not a popular 2020 type of scripture in the church. I mean, I say most churches probably wouldn't even read that sucker. It's just like, you know, we'll bypass that. Because this dude is saying, don't be yoked together with unbelievers. What, is that, what does that even mean? Don't be, and, then he, and he says, what, what agreement essentially does righteousness have with unrighteousness? He says, is there agreement between these two things? What, what is he saying? During, the, during this thing. What is Paul trying to open up? Now, most of the time, if you've heard this scripture, this has been used when it comes to dating and marriage. We got a, a lot of young people in here. I thought I'd dive in. Anybody, right? Let's dive in a little bit. When it comes to dating and marriage, you, usually people say, don't be unequally yoked. Now, I don't think that this scripture is primarily about dating and marriage, but I think if the shoe fits, we should probably wear it. And he's saying, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And here's the thing that you've got to understand. If you're dating somebody or you're going to marry somebody, you cannot and you will not have the union that God desires for you if y'all have two different supreme treasures in life. If your supreme treasure is Jesus, but old dude's supreme treasure over here is beer, y'all going to have an issue. Somebody amen me, right? I remember when I listen, when I picked Andrea, it was because I knew this woman's supreme treasure was Jesus. I was looking for a woman who wasn't trying to play hanky panky first go around. Anybody amen me this morning? Let's let's get real. Let's get real. If we're gonna be Christian people, why don't we be Christian people? Why don't we be Christian people? Now, I know for some of you, again, this is going to be convicting. It's okay. Here's why. We're all broken. We're all making mistakes. But you need to hear this so you can make changes. 
we got to be able to make changes. And so if we're, if we're moving into this place, God loves you, He loves me. And He had to do a work in me some before I got to that point, trust me. But when I got to that point, I realized, man, this is a woman. We're headed in the same direction. We're wearing the same yoke. And that yoke is walking with Jesus. And that's the direction that we're going. And so if you're dating somebody, I know people date people all the time. Well, I know, but I can get him, you know, we get him saved. Let me know if that works out for you. Okay. You say, yeah, but I just, there ain't no good Christian boys out there. Well, guess what? Singleness is not a bad option. I'm preaching right now, y'all. My Lord. But see, what Paul is really addressing in the Corinthian church is the fact that they were... Listen, you got different churches in the New Testament. Like if you deal over here with the Galatians, I'm going to teach a little bit. So if we were here at 1 o'clock, y'all still be good. But you have different churches. You have the Galatian church. The Galatian church's major problem was that they were, they were, they were like struggling with legalism. Now I want you to ask yourself... The majority of churches in America today, do they struggle with legalism or do they struggle with licentiousness? Do they struggle with we're just trying to put rules and laws on everybody or do they struggle with we're letting everybody do anything they want to do? I would say we're, we're on this edge over here, especially the kind of church that we have here. We're not, we're not big on legalism, obviously. We don't, but, but what young people growing up, they're coming into a place where they think anything goes. Anything goes. And so, so the Corinthian church, man, they're young, they're hip, they're cool. They're relevant. They're kind of like City of Hope Church. You know, they just fly and all that. They probably had lights on their stage and all that jazz. And so Paul has to come in and address them because he says, boys, y'all are so young, hip, cool, and relevant that you're actually beginning to cling to and agree with the values that this world is agreeing with. You're actually starting to believe the same ways they think about sexuality. And when I come into your church, I see relationships among people, sexual relationships among people that should not be. And he said, not only that, he said, I see that when y'all having communion, there's dudes there getting drunk. He said, how y'all going to serve the Lord and live this kind of lifestyle? He says, you need to come out from among them and be separate. And here, now here's the thing, because this is where we have issue. It's like, but I thought Jesus hung out with sinners. Yes, he did hang out with sinners. Should we hang out and build relationships with sinners in that language? Absolutely, because you're a sinner as well, and so have we always been. We need to develop relationships with people who don't know Jesus. Here is the distinction. Here is the difference. Okay, I'll tell you. When I first began my relationship with the Lord, I was struggling very bad with alcohol addiction, drug addiction, sexual addiction, different things like this, sinful patterns of behavior. Y'all with me, right? I was struggling with those things. I was dealing with those things. Now, what I could have said is, I got saved. Jesus hung out with sinners. I'm going to keep hanging out with them. But my problem at that particular time was, the more I hung out with them, the more I was like them. I didn't change. So as I grew closer to the Lord, what he said to me was, Clay, you have got to, I know you love them. It don't mean stop loving them. It don't mean be rude to them. It doesn't mean to tell them you're holy and they ain't. It means that there's a time and place where you realize they're walking a direction that you can no longer walk. And in that moment, as bad as it hurts, you've got to separate. And so the Lord calls me out. And I separate. I went and lived with my sister for like a year during that time or something like that. And as I'm living, God, God is doing something in my heart. Well, guess what? Because I separated at the end of that moment, God empowered me by His Spirit. He broke the chains of alcohol and drugs and pornography addiction. All these things. He broke it off my life. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then guess what he did? He said, now, Clay, you have the power to go back in among them. Now when I went back in among them, I didn't just go in and hang out and say I have a relationship with them so that when they passed the doobie, I gave in. Anybody amen, right? Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. That time when they passed the doobie, I said, no, I'm good. And let me tell you why I'm good. I'm good because I thought I was saved my whole life, but now I've had a genuine encounter with God through the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, God has come to tell you that He loves you, and you don't have to live like this anymore. Now, when you, you know that you've went through the true process of a healthy separation, when you go in among those people and you change them rather than them change you. And you've got to learn to discern the difference between whether or not you should separate or whether or not it's time to go back in and pull some out with you. Somebody amen me. This is really good. This is, good. This is hard for us to hear though because what we like to do is we like to say let anything goes. Everybody does whatever they want to do and we'll just get up with them because Jesus hung out with sinners. Yes, Jesus hung out with sinners but He did not wear their yoke. He said, if you are heavy, heavy burdened and, and dealing with this labor, He said, I got a different yoke. Jesus called people to walk with Him. He wasn't walking with them. It's a different situation with Christian people. And so Paul is saying, Corinthian church, I know you're hip, young, cool, and relevant. He said, but you're walking the wrong direction. And there comes a point. And I know right now for some of you, I'm, I'm thinking this is convicting for some people because you've never, there's people that have never heard a message like this in the church house. Because it's more, it makes people feel better to gloss over these things. right? But I'm telling you, if, if I had never heard the word, you know where I'd still be? I'd still be doing the same things that I used to do. I would not be up here today speaking to you, telling you about the love of God, the goodness of God. And let me tell you something, the greatest gift. i tell you what's better than smoking marijuana and getting drunk. What I found out when I was 21 years old is the presence and the power of God. I want to be a church. That's why, that's why we sit here and we linger in worship. Because when we linger in worship, we believe that when we lift our hands, when we sing songs, that God comes in among us. He inhabits the praises of His people. And there's no greater joy than being filled with the Spirit of the living God. This is not something, this is, Christianity is not something where it's boring and it doesn't feel good and you're like, this is boring, I need to go out and get, catch me a buzz. Forget that. I don't even know why I'm on this right now. I feel like I'm chasing 32 rabbits. But y'all feel what I'm talking about this morning, do you not? Amen. So if the purpose of separation is not to feel religious or superior. So when we're talking about this, look, if you end up getting a little bit holier, you know what you'll actually do? You'll actually extend more mercy to people that are broken. The more holy you get, it, you don't get like, I don't do those types of things. <laughs> you don't get that way. You walk in purity yourself, but when you see people who walk differently, you walk in mercy toward them. And you extend the hand of grace. Because look, it takes people time. If you're here right now, and this is the other thing, this is where you've got to try to balance this stuff. If you're here, here right now and you got drunk last night, we love you, we want you to come back next week. We do. Because here's the thing. It took, when I decided to get free from some things, it took me at least a year to get free from some things. It may take you a year. It may take you two years. But would you yoke up with us and walk with us and when you fall, say, Clay, I need help. I'll come pick you back up. We'll get back on the yoke again and we will walk together in this thing until we find holiness and purity in our hearts. Amen. This is the way that we're walking. So we're going to help each other out. I needed people to help me. So if I'm, if I'm not separating for the purpose of self-righteousness and I'm not separating for the purpose of a holier-than-thou attitude, then let me give you some things that I am separating for. Number one is clarity. 
I want clarity. How many of you, you know, I come to people, people come up to me all the time. They need counsel. They need advice. And they're basically saying, Lord, they're basically saying, I, I need to know what the Lord would have me to do in my life. I don't know what, what my life's about. I don't know what job I should take. I don't know. They need clarity. Most people need clarity. But I'm telling you, when you separate to God and you give God a season of your time and say, Lord, I, I'm seeking you because I need to hear, there's all of a sudden this clarity that begins to come to you and you start to see this is what, what the direction I need to head in my life. Acts 13.1, it says this, Now in the church at Antioch there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, and Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, notice they were worshiping the Lord and they were fasting. That's what we're doing on Wednesday nights. The Holy Spirit said, separate for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. So they separated as they're worshiping the Lord and fasting. They're separating this to the Lord. And all of a sudden the Lord gives them clarity and says, you need to separate Paul and Barnabas to me. And we know that the rest is history. They went out and evangelized the known world. And when you take time to minister to the Lord and fast, there's going to be moments. I, throughout my life, at, at different junctures in my life, I remember I used to teach school at OBI. And we, I was doing something in my life and this church in, uh, in, in Barberville had come to ask me to pastor. I remember I went on about a three-day fast and I said, Lord, I need to know if this is what you want me to do. Is this the next stage in my life? And all of a sudden, over the, over the next three days, it just kind of started to rise to the surface. This started to say, this, this, is, this is what I would have you to do. And believe it or not, somebody called me at the end of that three-day fast and said, this was a friend that I had known I went to school with down in Tennessee, and then she moved to California. I hadn't talked to her in probably three years. She calls me on the phone. I didn't answer it. She left me a message, and the message said, Clay, I don't know why. I've not thought about you in a long time. I had a dream about you last night. You were standing in front of a stop sign, and all of a sudden the stop sign turned green and said, go. And the night before, I'd asked, Lord, should I go? She said, yeah, go. God's going to give you clarity when you separate yourself to these things. And over and over again, I found that when I submit these things to the Lord, I pray, I fast, I separate to God, He gives me clarity. Number two, He'll give you closeness. If you need closeness with God, then you need to set yourself some time to, uh, apart to be with Him. And here's the thing. When God spoke to Moses, He spoke to him face to face. It says, as a friend speaks with another friend. In other words, he wants that kind of intimacy. And I want you to understand this. When God gave Moses directions or God spoke to Moses, he never spoke to him while he was among the people. He always spoke to Moses at the tent of meeting or on top of the mountain. He would draw him away to be alone. In other words, if you need closeness to the Lord, you've got to separate from some other things to go and be alone with the Lord for a season. And in that place, you're going to begin to hear the voice of God. But see, here's the thing. This is going to sting a little bit. If you need to get close to God, but you continue to watch the same amount of TV... You continue to, to, to look at the same exact things. You continue to spend the same amount of time on social media. Somebody said, well, you know, if I were to ask most Christians, how is your prayer life like? What's your life like in the Word? Be like, well, I'm struggling with it a little bit. But if I were to ask you how much time you've been spending on your phone, what's your phone life like? Buddy, eight hours a day, wide open. We own this thing. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And so if you continue to do the same things that you're doing, you're going to continue to get the same results that you've gotten. That's why you've got to take a moment to separate for closeness. Number three, it's going, to give you, it's going to give you courage. Separation is going to give you courage. I can remember, listen, that season that I was going through where God separated me, 
I had yet, not yet really encountered God. I, I believe I was saved. I believe I had believed in Jesus, but there was something still messed up in my heart. And so when my buddies would ask me, buddy, what in the world is wrong with you? What are you doing? I'd, I'd lie to them sometimes, but I just ain't feeling good. Come out and let's go, let's go party. I just ain't feeling good. I was feeling great. I didn't want to tell them about Jesus. I didn't want to be an idiot. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be that. I, I felt the pressure of that. But when I separated myself to God, it brought me into an encounter with God, and all of a sudden it strengthened me with courage. And I remember going right back into those same buddies, and whenever we were sitting in that same setting, my heart would begin to pound out of my chest, and I had the courage to speak to them about Jesus. And for some of them, it changed their lives. Not everybody's going to go with you, but God's going to give you the courage to speak and he's going to give you the power to do some things that you couldn't do. Number four is conquest. See, we've all got addictions. Every single one of us. Can we just agree with that? Like every single one of us, we still got some issues, right? I mean, this week, I got to be honest with you, I battled with some issues. Like I, this week, I was, I was overwhelmed with some things going on. I thought, Lord, I'm so weak. I don't know if, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't feel like I have the resources and the strength to carry on. But the, but the Lord was there to strengthen me. And bless me. And I tell you, yesterday I was going to do a wedding and I was tired. I had a million things on my mind. As I backed out, poof, I hit my mom's car and I just about cussed. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit put me in check. Anybody amen me? I mean, sometimes we get to that point. I get it. I get that we're broken. I get we have struggles. I've got them too. But that does not mean that we just throw in the towel and give up. No, we go back to God. We lean on the Lord for strength. We say, God, you are sufficient in all things. You're all powerful. You're able to keep me, to keep me holy, to keep me pure, to keep me from temptation. You're able to give me the ability to conquer the things that I have. So you may have addictions. You may have struggles. You may have fear. When you separate unto the Lord in prayer and fasting, He is going to release a conquering spirit on you and you will overcome the addictions and the struggles that you are dealing with. So let me, let me finish with this passage of Scripture here because separation has a strategy and God's given us a roadmap. And you see that Jesus, He's our God, but He also models ministry for us. And you never see a demon-possessed person that Jesus couldn't deliver. You never see a sick person that Jesus couldn't heal. You see Jesus always being able to accomplish what God had called him to do. And one day he's on this mountain with Peter, James, and John. And he's transfigured before the eyes of Peter, James, and John. And he comes down off that mountain. But before he comes, see, there was nine other disciples at the bottom of this mountain. And there was a dad who brought his son who had been severely demonized. He was epileptic. It says sometimes the demon would throw him into the water. Sometimes it'd throw him into the fire. Those extremes there, right? We see extremes in people's lives. And sometimes when you see extremes, it's because they need deliverance. And so all of a sudden, Jesus comes down the mountain and the, the man says to Jesus, basically, that your disciples could not do the work. Let's read it. Uh, Matthew 17, 14. It says, And when they had come down to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Man, that's, that feels to me like a lot of times our very own Christianity. You ever get frustrated with the results that you get in ministry? It's like, Lord, I want to see more people saved. Lord, when I pray for somebody, I want to see them healed. 
I want to see some results. And we get frustrated with our results and we wonder why couldn't we do it? They couldn't cure him. And a lot of times we experience those same things. In verse 17, Jesus answered and said, he gives them a diagnosis. He says, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. So he gives them a diagnosis of the reason that they could not do what they were called to do. And here's what he says. He says, the reason you couldn't do it, boys, is because it's a faithless and it's a perverse generation. Now, if you look at this, faithless is really, it's, it's our own belief. We just don't believe God is who He is. We don't believe He's capable of doing what He says He'll do. And we don't believe that we truly are who He's called us to be. And when we are faithless, see, what happens is it's because we're disconnected from God. But see, not only that, perver- he says we're not just faithless, we're perverse. Now, perverse, it has to do with being twisted. It has to be with, do with being confused. But see, we're perverse because we're too connected to the world. You see those two things going on. He says, you're faithless, you're not connected to me, you're perverse because you are too connected to the things of this world. And if we're honest with ourselves, right, if we look at and evaluate our life, we got to ask ourselves, how connected am I to God right now? How many things I got going on in my life, and I'm right there with you, that I have to say no to? And I've got to push some things aside and I've got to say, I've got to get reconnected to God during this. And so the disciples say, you know what, boys, we need to pick Jesus' brain. Verse 19, it says, Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? And this is an important question. Because Jesus had commissioned them. Let me tell you something. God has commissioned me. He has commissioned you. He has commissioned this church to bring about His kingdom in this earth and to preach the gospel to every creature and to see souls saved, people set free, and people delivered and experiencing the glory of God. Would you amen me with that? So if we're not seeing it happen, it's a great question to be asking. Lord, why are we not seeing this happen? And Jesus responds to them in verse 20. Jesus said to them, "...because of your unbelief." For assuredly I say to you, if you have the faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. But notice what he says this last verse. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So he says, listen, the, the, the diagnosis is, is that you are unbelieving, you're faithless, and you are perverse. He says, but I'm going to give you the solution. I'm going to give you prayer and fasting. Because if faithlessness is because we're disconnected to God, he says, you've got to get reconnected. You've got to enter back into prayer. Prayer connects us to God. But then he says, not only do you reconnect to God in prayer, but you fast because fasting disconnects you from the world. And he's saying, if you want to bring your faith up and you want to come back into a place of power where you start to see results, you need to unplug from the world and you need to reconnect with me. And there's no greater way to do that than through prayer and fasting. And can I tell you that when you fast, you ain't never going to like it? Now, some people say, well, I'm going to fast social media. Great idea. Somebody said, well, I'm going to fast TV. Excellent idea. Right? All these things. But when it comes to biblical fasting, biblical fasting is actually about fasting food. Anybody ever done it? And I, I, let me be honest with you. Anytime I set time apart, if I say, Lord, I ain't going to watch TV for a while. If I, and let me tell you something though, guys. It's a good time to not watch TV. I don't know if you know this or not. I got like 20 text messages this week. Or do you see what's going on at the Capitol? I said, I don't have cable and thank God I don't. But 
We live right now in an age where we are so, so deeply connected to media and news and all of these things that it is contaminating our souls. And I know that sometimes we got to know what's going on in the world. You need to know what's going on in the world. I need to know what's going on in the world. But just for a season in your life, when you realize that you are so contaminated, you're so overwhelmed, unplug from it, friends. Disconnect from it. Say, you know what? I'm going to take some time away from TV. I'm going to take some time away from the news. I'm going to take some time away from the media because I need to hear the voice of God. And right now, I'm not hearing anything. All I hear is the anxiety of the world, the fears of what's to come and what's going to happen now that... You know, the Democrats have taken over the government and all this stuff. Let me tell you something. The Democrats, the Republicans, they may take over the government. They may take over the world. But let me tell you something. Their season will be short. Jesus owns all things. He is still the King of kings. He is still the Lord of lords. We still have a responsibility. We still preach the gospel. We still love people. And we have an assignment I don't know about you, but my assignment is not to overthrow the government. My assignment is to preach the gospel. My assignment is to live for Jesus. If that affects government, thank God that it does. But i got to stay focused on what my calling is. If your calling is to overthrow government, and that's what the Lord's called you to, I mean, that's between you and Him. I don't know. I doubt it. Did I offend anybody? I'm sorry. But we need to draw near to God. And your spirit, it's craving this. I'm telling you, on the end, your little baby spirit in there is crying out, I need help. I need some food. And your flesh is dominating your life and you're connected to so many things. And when you start to fast, if you do it with food or tea or whatever it is that you love that you're pushing aside, your flesh is going to hate it. Anytime I stop, stop eating, my body begins to freak out. And it says, Clay, you need some coffee. You need some tater chips. You need something or you're going to die. And you know what? At that point, what I have to do is I, it pushes me into the Word. It pushes me into prayer. It's uncomfortable, but what I'm saying to my flesh is I'm saying, you're not in control here. You can yell and scream and cry all you want to, but the Holy Spirit of God within me is dictating this thing. He is running this show. And I'm saying no to you so that I can draw nearer to God. And when you do draw nearer to God through that, He's going to speak to you. He's going to show you some things like you never have before. So there's a healthy separation. And there's some things during this season that we need to lay down and say, God, I need you more than anything. And sometimes we got to do some major sacrifices to just demonstrate to Him, Lord, You're what I'm after. Jesus, You're what I'm after. You're what I want. Now let me tell you this. Let me close on this. Separation is only a good thing if it is to God. Some of you come in here this morning and you, you feel separated from God. You feel separated from God. You're under the weight of shame. You're under the weight of your sin. And even the things that I preached about today, I mean, if I, let me tell you something. If I, was 20, if I was 19 years old the way that I was and I came in and heard this message today, I'd probably be angry. Probably be upset. I'd be like, I ain't trying to hear that. Who's that guy? What's he know? But if, but if I would have allowed myself to think about it, which I did, I would have said, you know what? Maybe he's right. Maybe God does love me. Maybe he's got something better for me. And that's what God would want you to know is that if you feel separated from him, he's not, he's not mad at you over your sin. He is, he, he's, not, he's not saying, you know what? I, I reject, reject you. He's saying, no, I paid the price. My wrath and punishment was poured out on Jesus on the cross. And if you receive that gift, you'll no longer feel that separation. That shame will be lifted. That sin will be cleansed. You can be reunited to the Father. And that's what we all need. Amen. Why don't you bow your heads to, with me?
If that's you this morning and you feel like, man, I feel separated from God. I don't really have a relationship with God. I want to truly begin that. I want to start today and I want to give my life to Jesus. Won't you throw your hand up real quick and let me just see it as an act of faith. I got two, three, anybody else? Just put it up and hold it up. This is, this is you saying, I, I'm, I'm saying right now is the day. I see another, a fourth. Right now is the day that I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to start walking with Him and I want to be cleansed. I want to pray with you four that just lifted your hand right now. And with your everybody's head bowed, would you please just continue to maintain that, that spirit of prayer to hold on with God. And so I want you to pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, we come to you right now and we ask you to forgive us of all of our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, to purify our hearts with your blood, to wash us afresh, Lord God. And God, we not only confess our sins, but we turn from our sins and we put our faith in you right now, Lord Jesus. Your word declares, God, that if we believe that you were raised from the dead and we confess you as Lord Jesus, that we shall be saved. So right now, I want you just out of your mouth say, Lord, I, I confess my sin and I, and I confess that you are my Lord. And I want to walk with you. And for the rest of us right now, Lord, we just pray that you'd pour out your spirit, that you'd begin to enable us to separate ourselves unto you and for your purposes. And God, in this moment, we give you our hearts, we give you our lives. And Lord, Holy Spirit, if there's anything in our hearts that you need to remove, I pray that you'd shine a light on that right now. But I pray as we worship, as we pray, God, minister to people's hearts and strengthen them in Jesus' name. Amen.